Oklahoma City and New Orleans lose. Does that change where the Jazz sit for the play-in? Probably not. The single greatest rule change of any league ever? Maybe. We're discussing it. Coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, how are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is the March 29th edition of Locked On Jazz. I have a weird feeling the audio is coming from the wrong spot. Nope, it's coming from the right spot. Uh, today... We just kind of reset where we sit with seven games to play on what has been an awesome NBA season and see how we feel about where the Jazz are and what to expect in the final seven games of the season. Does the, Do the losses of New Orleans and Oklahoma City have an impact on the Jazz' ability to make a late play in search? Draft positioning. Can the Jazz do something better in the next seven days to help their draft positioning? Or are they set in the night spot? Plus, maybe the single greatest rule change in the history of the NBA is the play-in game. We'll talk about it, though. There is still an issue of tanking the league has to address. A late-game watch last night. And we'll do our lottery. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz, which is your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. We are here for you Monday through Friday, plus postcasts, and we are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Welcome to San Antonio. Weird background. Is this better? Never know what to do in a hotel. For the show, I'm gonna have Brian Levine, our director of production, build me something next year. So, like, we'll put ourselves in neat little spots and get a background. That's worse, isn't it? I can't really tell on the YouTube world that we live in. Uh, we are, uh, I never say what hotel we're in for player security thing, but this is my favorite hotel on the circuit. So, if you're ever traveling to San Antonio and you want a really, really nice hotel, email me. After we leave this trip, and I'll tell you where to stay. Um, but this has got, it's got a vibe, it's got an energy, it's got its own feel. We stay in fabulous hotels um, all the time. I always joke uh, that during the season, I get to live in Ritz-Carlton's in Four Seasons. And then in the off-seasons, I live in Hampton Inns and Spring Hill Suites, which I think are fine. Um, but then it's on my tab instead of somebody else's. And uh, this one's not any of those things, but it's... It's probably my most favorite because it just has an energy and a vibe uh, to it that's really, really cool around here. I went to a fabulous uh, Mexican restaurant last night just to share road stories. Um, sat outside, had a real feel of San Antonio. Um, great uh, Sean Sheldon, jazz assistant coach. I screwed up his title last time. Uh, gave me a great suggestion. The San Antonio eating's good because we got a bunch of guys on our staff that are San Antonio people. Um and they gave it, and so now you have great insight. All right, so last night, I feel like we keep getting lured back in. Uh, last night, Oklahoma City loses, and New Orleans loses, and so all of a sudden, Oklahoma City, who we play twice, or we play once the rest of the way once, is now a game and a half away from us, one in the loss column, 
And the Lakers, who we played twice, are two games away from us. We do have Dallas in between, which makes it a little more complicated. And you feel like, even though we've lost four in a row, and it really seems to be kind of that our time has passed in quest for the play-in, like, the world keeps bringing us back. Okay, with that said, I don't think so. I just, I'm going to hold to this. I've kind of been here. If you've listened to the show every day, like, I, I, the amount of minutes we're playing from guys that are not NBA rotation players as of the trade deadline. That doesn't mean they can't be one day. They just weren't. Gives you a level of, like, what we're trying to do. I think the fact that we're, I guess, now 8-12 and 12 since the deadline is pretty incredible. Um, but I don't expect that we're going to suddenly, you know, we've got seven games left. You know, we I've always said we we're going to have to get to 41. Like, I don't think we're going 6-1. and one. Even if we don't have to get to 41, we only have to get to 40. I don't think we're about to go 5-2. and two. And then... Frankly, the fact that Lowry was back on the injured list is not a great sign. Like, he went from playing, and now he shows up back on the injured list. I I don't know anything. Um, I did see Lowry having dinner last night with Walker Kessler, which was about as adorable as it gets uh, from a dad standpoint. Um, so Lowry and Walker, the sheriff and the finisher, I told him I should take a picture and, and put it in a comic book, um, were having dinner together last night in a restaurant right next to our hotel. Um, so that was kind of a cool scene to see the two of them just sitting there chatting, getting to know each other. They're going to spend a lot of time together. They're the future of this franchise. So that is certainly um, a large part, you know, a good sign. Uh, probably, frankly, at this point, the most important sign, right? Like these are actually probably the things that matter the most at this point for the Utah Jazz is those relationships, those time together. Um, what, what we wanted to achieve when the year started has been achieved. That's what's weird to me about this final seven-game reset as we're sitting here is, you know, when the year started, the question was, okay, can Will Hardy coach? Well, that's a definitive yes. Can either of, Are either of our draft picks worthy of anything? That's a definitive yes. Like, we have a piece in Walker Kessler that, you know, I, I don't want to get too excited, but, like, I think could be all-NBA caliber player. Like, he could be all-NBA third team you know, we'll see what the future centers are in the league, but, um, you know, can he get to the level and have an impact of a Demata Sabonis or, or a Bam Adebayo? Yeah, like I think so. Like those are high, high-level players. But he's showing some massive defensive impact as well as enough offensive skills he's going to put up numbers. Um, is Ochai Abaji going to be a rotation player in the NBA? Yes. Is he... A starting shooting guard? Is he a Norm Powell who's kind of a, been an in and out? I'm not sure yet. Well, time will tell. And he's older, so there's probably a little less developmental curve for him. And then the last one is, did we get any pieces in the puzzle? And we got Lowry Market. You know, did we get any real pieces for our puzzle from those trades? And, and the answer was yes. We actually, so from Minnesota, what we really just got was a sixth draft pick. We got the four first-round picks, Walker Kessler. And then we used... Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley basically get the Lakers pick along with along with Mike Conley. Um, and then we, in Cleveland, we got the picks and we got Ochai. Um, so the season is like a success. So now we sit here seven games out and all of our competitive juices are flowing and we're like, ah, oh, we got to go for the play. And, and I just, I don't have the vibe that we've got that that was ever the goal, Right. You and I start getting into the day-to-day -day game. Like, can we beat San Antonio? Okay, we beat San Antonio tonight. We go to thirty. We go to thirty-six and forty, and then can we, 
you know, Boston's going to be awfully tough, but can we get one out of Brooklyn and then come back and surprise the Lakers and the Thunder and maybe Denver's clinched at that point and you go back to L.A. for a chance to maybe. Boy, it'd be awesome. But I just think we're short. I think we're short the amount of guys. And I don't think, frankly, this, and I said this yesterday, I admire the organization for staying on task. We just, I don't think we've ever been, like, that is the primary goal. I think the goals were the three things I talked about, and they've knocked them all out of the park, and the season's a success. And now you're trying to make, there's really only one scenario where the season's not a success now, and that's something goes wrong in the final seven games. Right? You and I, competitive juices, were like, let's go make the play. I want the 83rd game. I'd like the 84th game. I'd like 120 games. I was talking with Chris Jones and Sanjay Lampkin on the plane last night, like, who two jazz, two assistant coaches. Like, I, I, I have no interest in this ending. Like, October, like, for me, uh, made October sucks. I, I love calling games. I love being around the team. I love the journey. I love the story. I love getting to know everyone. This has been a super great year to get to know new people. Uh, I just adore this. I just love it. Every aspect of it. And, you know, have it suddenly turn off sucks. I think all of us are. So let's enjoy the last seven games. Maybe that's our seven-game reset. The flip side on this is, you know, if we were to lose all seven, does it do us any good? And the answer is actually probably no. Like, the teams that are behind us in draft are Chicago and Dallas. They're still incentivized to win, and we'll talk about that coming up. Washington's got eight games left. They're, they're two in the loss column. Maybe I mean if we went zero and seven, is Washington going to suddenly go two and six the rest of the way, and then we're tied with them? Maybe Indiana's three in the loss column. Portland, there's no chance Portland's winning three more games. I don't think there's any chance Indiana's winning three more games. So I actually don't even think in the next seven games that the idea well we should tank actually has any value either. I just think we're caught in the middle. We're just too beaten up to make the play and run, and we're. We just don't have any wiggle room to go change our draft position. Um, and that's fine. Like, we, we played the season out. We've got seven games left. And so let's just, I think the seven-game reset is that we just enjoy these final seven games as much as we possibly can tonight. With the Spurs, we get to watch Ochai develop and Walker have another big game. And Taylor continue to, to do his thing. And Kelly with all of his little stuff. And it's great. And we, we enjoy that. The NBA made a rule change a few years ago. By accident, if we're totally honest. I think by accident. It might be the greatest rule change in the history of sport. Other than maybe the mound in 1968 in Major League Baseball. I'll touch on that uh, as we continue. A Wednesday edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by our friends over at Intercap Lending. That's Steve Carter. That's the local... Uh, company that actually stretches beyond. If you're outside of Utah, you can use Intercap as well. Don't feel like just because we're a Utah-based show, uh, Intercap Lending stretches beyond. Intercap's a, an old, a long company. Josh Romney brought it back to Utah many years ago. And what they do is they are a kind of nimble, responsive, um, direct with their customer lending company that has just the greatest customer service I've ever seen. And that's why they've just exploded, right? I was actually looking back in my notes. Intercap had like three, when we started advertising with them, I think it was probably 2019. Um, they had about like three branches. And then they went to 15. And now they just keep going. It's pretty incredible. Headquarters in Utah, but they can go beyond. And we have Steve Carter for you. He's our own personal loan officer for all Locked On Jazz listeners. 
You get a Locked On Jazz corporate discount. That's how we set it up with Brock and Steve at the very beginning. And then Steve is just continually wowing us with his awesome customer service. Uh, time in and time out, which is just, the, frankly, the coolest uh, to be able to send you to. So you can call Steve directly at 385-800-8528 or just email me first at dlock09 at uh, gmail.com, dlock09 at gmail.com, it's not 0909, at gmail.com, and I will uh, set you up. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Today's show is also brought to you by, and this is so fun, I started down the rabbit hole the other day and had to stop because I was having such an absolutely great time with it, and that is Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you have not played yet, you've heard us talk about it, I trust me, take lunch break today, take something, and jump in and play Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. It's the coolest game I've played in a long time. You want to be an NBA GM, this is it. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of your franchise, so playing through the season, leading your franchise, taking the fans to glory, winning your dynasty, firing coaches, trading players, navigating all this Realistic Game World Ultimate Pre, uh, Pro GM is completely free and playable online. Play on the go as you want. Also, by the way, uh, Locked On Jazz listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. Download the game. Visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up in the app score. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. And then if you're doing well, tell me. Send me an email at dlock 9 dlock09 at gmail.com. Someone obviously told me I made that mistake, and now I'm trying to fix it. dlock09 at gmail.com, and tell me <coughs> and send me your uh, results of how you're doing it. Ultimate G- Bas- Pro Basketball GM. All right. The play-in game, I really think, is the greatest change in the, like all professional sports. If we walk through our standings right now, And you think about where we are in the NBA. Walk through the battles that are taking place. And it's pretty awesome. So the first one is the fact that the, like how many different seeds matter. So obviously, if we look at the West, let's just start this. The number one seed matters. Or we look at the West and the East. Milwaukee and Denver are going to get the, that's home court throughout the whole thing. It actually really matters. Milwaukee's going to get home court through the whole Playoffs, Boston's lost last night. They fall the two and a half games back. The two seed now has a larger importance because you're playing a team that will have already played a game, and that's a pretty significant disadvantage. I think we're seeing that. No team, I believe, out of a play and has won a playoff series yet. Not many seven seeds do. There's not actually a battle going on, but it matters. Okay, there's no real battle for three. We used to get into a game here where teams started to jockey for position and almost lose intentionally and try to navigate where they got into this. So there's really no three is the one that like they haven't done anything about. Four, well, that's home court. So the fact that Phoenix is up a half a game on the Clippers right now means that Phoenix is playing really hard. Sacramento is actually kind of in a middle ground. And Philadelphia is close to a middle ground right now where I just don't think Cleveland's going to catch them after their loss last night. So actually, the three seeds can actually coast a little bit. So they haven't solved that. But they have made the one you're playing for it. Two matters. Four matters. Five doesn't matter. 
You're just losing out on four, but you're competing because you're trying to get to four. In the case of the East, not really any battle going on there. Cleveland, seven. New York is five. You realize that Donovan is going to play Jalen Brunson in the first round of the playoffs, and he's going to go to Cle- and he's going to New York in the first round of the playoffs. We'll talk about Donovan in a second. I watched Cleveland uh, close with their game last night, um, which was in a gr- against Atlanta, and Quinn it was a great game. Um, okay, so five, six now really, really matters. Like, Brooklyn's up a half game on Miami, and that matters. Like, that's in the playoffs versus being in the play Golden State's up a half game on Minnesota and a game and a half on the Pelicans with that win last night. Massive win by the Warriors last night. We just took a Golden State-Pelicans game, which was six versus eight, that a, a few years ago would have been totally irrelevant and made it a massively important game last night. Like, that's what the rule change did. And it, the Clippers, who are really playing for four as the fifth seed, half game out of Phoenix, are also only a game up on Minnesota, who's seventh. Like, you don't want to slip to seven. Now you're into the play-in. The play-in's not great. The other beauty of what the, what the NBA did with the play-in is seven... Obviously, it matters because you get home court in the first game. You're guaranteed two home games to make the playoffs. So you're going to make the playoffs. you got two home games. Eight matters because being eight is wildly different than being nine. Eight, you can lose your first game, and then you go home to play your second playing game. Nine, you have to win your first game, and then you're guaranteed to go on the road for your second game. Hugely different. So now all of a sudden we have... And it wouldn't, there would be no battle going on. Toronto and Atlanta, Atlanta and Toronto are tied for 8-9 in the East. That's a fierce battle. Chicago's a game and a half back, wondering whether they might be able to sneak up on someone. And the difference between 9 and 10 is that 9, you get a home game to try to advance to play your next game. 10, you're going to have to win both games on the road. So what the NBA did with the play-in is one was always a battle. Two became important because you wanted to play a play-in team. Three, we haven't done anything about Four matters for home court. Six matters because you want to make the playoffs. Seven, eight, nine, and ten all matter because they're dramatically different odds of advancing depending where you're in the plan. It's really beautifully well done. It's got to be one of the great rule changes of all time. And you're taking a team like the Jazz, and we're still kind of hovering, wondering whether we're part of it. Dallas, if the season were today, Dallas is a game out of eighth with a chance to maybe get in but have three teams there, wouldn't be near as exciting. Pelicans-Warriors wouldn't be that exciting. Atlanta would be a game and a half up on on Chicago, battling Toronto for eight. Chicago would be out of it by now. Washington would be out of it by now, as they can get a great win last night. They're still two and a half back and probably done. The one thing that hasn't been solved by the NBA is what I would call mid-tanking. And that's what Indiana and Portland are doing right now. So the rule change on the lottery, which happens simultaneously, which is that the first three picks get a 14% chance is all at number one. The fourth pick goes to 12.5, and the fifth pick goes to 10.5. When you tank, like for the entire season, like Detroit, Houston, and San Antonio have. 
you're only getting a 52% chance of a top four pick. That has been de-incentivized. Now, what we've really done is we've made it so that three teams each year can really just bottom out. Detroit, Houston, and San Antonio did it. They get a 14% chance for the number one pick. They get a 52% chance for being top four. Charlotte, who's got the fourth worst record in the NBA, has got a 4% less chance for a top four pick and a 1.5% less chance for the number one overall pick and have just won a bunch of three important games. What we haven't solved is what's happening between five and what would be happening with 10 maybe if Chicago actually owned their pick. And that is like the slip to from nine to five is pretty dramatic. So Portland, who was hovering right around nine with a 20% chance for the top four pick and a five, four, four to 5% chance for the number one pick, is going to try to slide this thing all the way down to five, see if they can catch Orlando, having lost nine of 10, only accidentally winning a game. And they're going to hopefully get from 20% to 42%. That's a, of a top four pick. That's a massive difference. Even if it's that they were at 26%, they get to 42 That's a big difference. And they go from about a 3 4% chance of the number one pick to like a 10% chance of the number one pick. That's a big difference. The mid-tanking is still a problem in the NBA. There's a real argument that the Jazz should have come out of the trade deadline and lost like 23 of their next 25 games, which would have been horrific and probably bad for the franchise's culture, and there's a lot of things we wouldn't have gained out of it, but there's a real argument that that's exactly what the Jazz probably should have done at that moment in time. And that's what Portland's doing, and it's probably right. They have a lot of other issues. Indiana suddenly feels like they're there too. Now there's a real race to the fifth spot of the draft. And the Jazz, I think, had a chance at one point in time to do that. And they could have joined in with Portland, Indiana, Washington could have or couldn't decide not to, though they've lost 7 of 10 and Bradley Beal is not playing all the time. Um, You know, we could have just tried to unload it at that point. Um, I don't know how, but that's the one thing the NBA hasn't solved. They've kind of solved the tank, frankly. I'm not sure that Detroit, Houston, and San Antonio's 52% and 14% is actually worth what they went through this year. And Charlotte's done an interesting little thing where they're kind of playing in the middle of that as the fourth seed. That's probably just fine. And Orlando played hard all year as the fifth. It's this middle range where you suddenly, I think it is actually advantageous and the correct move to unload. Mid-tanking, we'll call it. And it's a bad look on the league because the because of the play-in, Portland's pretty close to making the playoffs when they start their mid-tank. We would have been like in the play-in and started a mid-tank if we'd done that. And again, a real argument that that should have been, the, that should have been what we did, which isn't great. Probably, I don't know the answer on that one. Maybe this is, you know, not everything can be perfect, right? You can't solve all problems. And so maybe that's the reality of the one thing you can't solve in this league. Late game watch last night of Atlanta some surprising things from Quinn and of Donovan Mitchell and Cleveland, and then we'll play our lottery to wrap up today's show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. 
America's number one sports book and Locked On's official sports book partner. FanDuel's got it going on for you with all sorts of the great events taking place right now. Who's going to cut down the nets? Can you protect it? Well, the tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in the action than FanDuel, number one sports book in America. Because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today and claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the debt. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at the no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up and make every moment more with FanDuel. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, how about Locked On NBA Big Board? They reviewed last year's draft. It'll be interesting to hear what they said about Walker Kessler yesterday. I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, and Richard Stamen and Raphael did that, and they'll be heading toward this year's draft on a bunch of their episodes. That's Locked On NBA Big Board. All right, late game watch last night. I did Atlanta and Minnesota, or Atlanta and Cleveland. Um, I was really surprised Atlanta's under Quinn is not what I expected at all they're really not running any of Quinn's kind of elegant horn sets or he calls it bull um they're not they don't look any different than anyone else there's a lot of early action a lot of one-on-one um I I don't know what you know I always feel like Quinn was a step ahead on some things. I didn't see him imp- having implemented that yet. I don't see him using Trey Young in any particularly unique fashion or DeJounte Murray in any unique fashion. Um, I'm sure they'll be more detail-oriented. He even ran a basic post-up to DeAndre Hunter for a turnaround post-up jumper, which I never thought I'd see. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, Donovan's incredible right now. Donovan Mitchell is just on a different... He is a different level player than what we saw. He He's gotten better. It's so cool. Um, he His pull-up shooting is on fire. Um, Clint Capella and Okungu were the bigs. And so, all of a sudden, they're dropping, and he's killing them with threes. Um, he's still having... An insane year. He's he's slumped, but he's still at 39% on off-the-bounce threes. Steph Curry's the best in the NBA at 46, but like to be close to 40% on an off-the-bounce threes at 38.6, it's pretty high level. There are not, if you go take guys that take, you know, I don't know what uh, level you want to take. Is it three a game? If you take three a game, you're at the, you're, uh, you've got probably too many guys in there. If you take four off the bounce threes a game, we're talking. Oh no, three three off the bounce two two off the bounce threes a game. We've got like fifty eight guys in the league that take that many. So there just aren't you know, um, and the you uh, and Donovan's you know one of the is just at a totally different level than most of them. If you take guys that are taking. Um, Two off-the-bounce threes a game. Steph Curry's number one at 46. 
Kevin Herter's number two at 45. Buddy Heald's number three at 44. Desmond Baines at 41. And Kawhi Leonard's at 40. That's it. There's five guys in the league that take an off-the-bounce three above 40. Jamal Murray's right there at 39.9. So is Klay Thompson and Tyrese Halliburton. Give Alex Burks credit. And then Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell are next. And that's why Cleveland could be a real bore for someone to deal with in the playoffs. I don't know that I'm New York. I'm that excited about this. I, you're going to have to play one through five switch. You have no other choice against them when those two guys' effective field goal percentage is over 50% on off-the-bounce threes. Uh, and Atlanta did not play that uh, last night. Um, uh, DeJounte Murray, one-on-one was a lot of it. They had one nice play where Collins slipped it, caught it in the middle lane, found Capella coming out of the dunker spot. Uh, Mitchell misses one or two shots late that cost Cleveland the game. But, I mean, he was unbelievable before that. Fun to see Ricky Rubio out there getting some time with until about five minutes left. Um and then Cleveland was hunting Trey Young on a lot of plays. He was he was being hidden on Ricky Rubio, and so Rubio would come up and run the the brush screen off Donovan, and then Donovan would go to work off of Trey Young and was killing him. And then Atlanta started to double Don, and Don was really good at taking going away from the double and rejecting the double and getting into lane. He did have one offensive foul in there where he went over Capella a little too fast. Um, and that's going to be the next step for Don in the playoffs is they're doubling. His instinct is to go off, is not to get off the ball because at 6-1 it's hard to get off the ball. His instinct is to drive away from the double, get into the lane, and create the four on three, which is great. He's just got to get off the ball every now and then. He didn't do that a lot last night, but he was he had 44, I think. He was whoo, high level. All right, let's do our lottery. Here's where we sit as of right now. The Jazz are at 9th. Minnesota's at 17th. Philadelphia is at 27th. So 17th and 27th will hold. Ready, set, go. The number one pick of the draft goes to Charlotte, who had a 12.5% chance to get that. The number two pick of the draft goes to Detroit. The number three pick of the draft goes to the Chicago Bulls who had a 14% chance, and then they keep their pick because it's protected. San Antonio goes through the whole season-long tank for the fourth pick of the draft. Houston goes through the whole season-long tank for the fifth pick of the draft. See, I'm not, like, this is a real risk these teams have. This was kind of my point. Orlando's at six. Portland's late slide turns out to give them the seventh pick. Indiana's the eighth. Washington's the ninth, and the Jazz slipped to tenth. Oklahoma City's at eleven. Dallas is at 12. The Knicks get that pick. The Lakers are at 13. New Orleans gets that pick. Toronto is at 14. So on this scenario, the Jazz would end at 10th, 17th, and 27th. It's worth noting we've been doing this every day. We've yet to win the lottery. We've had no luck yet. Maybe tomorrow's the day. Jazz and the Spurs tonight. They are not playing Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, or Jeremy Sohan. Be interesting to see who they do play, and I'll have to learn who they are. Jazz signed Luka Samanic, uh, who was with the Spurs very briefly. He was the former 19th pick of the draft. He's tall. I saw him last night. Um, he's pretty skilled. It just didn't work out in San Antonio, but then he went to the main uh, Red Claws this year in the G League and was really, really good. I'm super impressed he stayed in the G League instead of going back to Europe. So that tells me he still has NBA aspirations. So it'll be interesting to see, and if Lowry can't go tonight, I'll bet you we see Luka Samanic. Uh, Shamarch getting some plays. Shaw, 
I think that's right. Yeah. Shaw is the, how you pronounce the first part of it. All right. Have a good one. That is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast of the Utah Jazz, all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.